Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On this episode of the Journey Women Podcast, I had the privilege of chatting with my own present-day hero, Gloria Furman, about living life on mission for Jesus. Gloria is a wife, mother, cross-cultural worker, and the author of some of my favorite books. We laughed a lot as we discussed what it looks like to live on mission no matter where you're at in the world. So you'll know, she's actually located across the world, and because of the time difference, I woke up around 4.45 in the morning to have this conversation. If you thought my voice was low, just wait till you hear this. You'll have to excuse my morning voice and the delirious laughter for the first five minutes of this conversation, but trust me, it's worth it. Every time I talk with Gloria, I'm astounded by her knowledge of scripture and her ability to answer all my questions from a gospel-centered perspective. Listen to what she said. Your own personal fitness to be an ambassador for Christ isn't necessarily the most important thing about your ambassadorship. The most important thing about your ambassadorship is the one who's sending you. I left this conversation challenged to intentionally pursue those who are already in my direct sphere of influence as an ambassador for Christ. All right, enough of me. Let's dig into my conversation about living on mission with my friend, Gloria Furman. For those who don't know Gloria Furman, you need to stop what you're doing right now and go pick up the book, Missional Motherhood, whether you're a mother or not, because it's for all women, really all people. But there's only one thing you really need to know about Gloria, and that's that she is obsessed with what she's going to be obsessed with, as you say, what, three zillion years from now, which is seeing and savoring Jesus. And I, air quotes, met her through the book Missional Motherhood, which is what I was talking about earlier. And my heart was just aflame as I read that book. It felt like I was sitting in a house with my mentors from college and just my heart was stirred. And I really don't know of anybody that I'd rather you hear from today, except for maybe C.S. Lewis, and that's not going to happen. So, (laughs) Gloria, (laughs) welcome to the Journey Women podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I could read you some C.S. Lewis right now if you just want to hear him, which is just so brilliant. (laughs) No, no, no. I was kidding. It's so true. You're the most sought after guest in my heart, but I was like, I have to like get some episodes under my belt so I can show Gloria that this is actually a thing. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) like I really do have a podcast. (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. It's a joy to talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do, because there's a lot. I laugh a lot. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's like coffee hour here. It's coffee hour for you too, but Definitely. it's always coffee time somewhere. That was somewhere. a high priority at 4.50. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am married to Dave. He yes. is the pastor of Redeemer Church of Dubai. We have four kids. Eliza's 10, Nora Claire is 8, Judson is 6, and Troy is 4. We've just started our 10th year living in the Middle East. That's right. It's crazy. And you've written a lot of books. Well, four, five? I don't know. Not that many. <laughs> well, a lot to um, me. That would take me like a whole, that would be more than my lifetime right there. <laughs> <laughs> a few. I've written a few books and edited a few. They're wonderful. Um, the only one I haven't read is The Pastor's Wife, and I'm craving more from you, so I guess maybe I'll go there next, even though I'm not a pastor's wife. <laughs> Do it. I originally titled it The Ministry Wife. So. Oh, okay. I should have known yeah. that. All right, I'll pick that up. <laughs> well, you know, I've told you this before, but it was my dream to be a missionary. And at the age of 13, I just felt like the Lord was prompting and stirring my heart that you're going to live in a different culture, in a dark place. You're going to speak a different language. But I never thought that that would happen in the context of the U.S. I really wanted to go overseas. I particularly didn't think it would happen in the military, but I want to talk to you today about the topic of living on mission no matter where it is that you live in the world, whether it's the U.S. or Dubai. So what does it mean to live missionally and why should we even pursue that kind of lifestyle? Yeah, living on mission, living missionally means that you are living the life that God has set apart for you. Oh, uh, so yes. <laughs> so that's in the context he's put you in with the gifts that his spirit has provided you with. Yeah. With the ministry of reconciliation, which we've all been given if we are in Christ and doing all of that in the strength that he provides. We look to him for the model for that. So we see throughout scripture, as you know, God is on mission and his son sent on a mission and then he sends us on mission and equips us for that. So living on mission encompasses all of those things. And notice I didn't put any geographic boundaries on that yeah. <laughs> because God's mission doesn't have any geographic boundaries as well as any particulars about, well, at five o'clock a.m., if you're on mission, this is what you're going to do because <laughs> all of those things, those ins and outs are led by the spirit yeah. who, who guides and directs our lives. So Totally. And we can easily fall into the trap, or at least I did in college, thinking that if you're really following Jesus, that it's going to look X, Y, Z way. But mm -hmm. I love how you said that it just looks different for all of us. And I think a heart that's submitted to him and that's seeking to glorify him is going to be living on mission. Is that right? That's right. That's right. I continually have to ask myself when I look for those markers all the time, like if I find yeah. myself with free time I didn't count on or in a situation I wasn't planning for, usually it's when I'm caught off guard. Of course, God is never caught off guard. He is always intentional <laughs> with where he sends us and the people he surrounds us with and the conversations mm. we find ourselves in. He is exceptionally, perfectly intentional in sending his ambassadors places. So the question instead of like, what would an ambassador make? What would an ambassador do? What would an ambassador of Jesus hmm. Christ say? And asking myself that, because that is a picture that he does give us to consider. 
we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So wondering what is it an ambassador would be about, that's the question I try to ask myself. Yeah, that's really uh, good. Of course. Yeah. So with the ambassador illustration that Paul gives us in Second Corinthians 5, if we know anything about ambassadors, we know that they're representatives. So they don't represent themselves. They represent God. And here Paul tells us that you're an ambassador for Christ. And the message that you've been given is this, reconciliation. Mm. So you don't have to wonder, what is it that God would want me to say? Well, we have a message. <laughs> yeah. Walk by the Spirit and proclaim that truth wherever it is that he's sending you. So. Okay, so talk to me a little bit about that. For somebody who's like, what is this message of reconciliation? Can you kind of break that down for us? I'm so us? glad you asked. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting our sins against us. And now he's entrusted to us that same message of reconciliation. So most people know John 3.16, God so loved the world that he sent yeah. his one and only son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life. So there's this message of reconciliation. God's seeking us. Adam, where are you? God is the one taking mm. the initiative. God is seeking. We're not seeking him. We're actually seeking signs and other ways to justify ourselves. <laughs> That's yeah. what we're after. Oh, my word. Yes. Uh, what is it? Jews look for signs. The Greeks search for wisdom to justify ourselves. Uh, God is the sick. one. That's what I do every day. Sometimes, yes. I mean, seriously, I get caught up in that every day. It is so frustrating. So He's seeking us, and so now God is reconciling the world to Himself, and so He gives us former enemies, former traitors, this message of reconciliation to go to our lost brothers and sisters out there in the world. So. The gospel Man, turns, just as Jesus he did. did. He turns the guests into hosts. Hmm. We are guests of his hospitality at the cross, and then we turn around and say, who's coming with me? Oh, dude, I love that picture. I've never thought about that before. Hmm. I love it. There's so many host-like pictures in the Bible, <laughs> and you know, you talk about the table, inviting them to the table. I'd love to talk about kind of where else do we see the biblical mandate for living on mission for Jesus and even as you were mentioning that Jesus came down to us and his like the chief minister of reconciliation, like where do we see him living on mission as well? Mm. All throughout the whole of scripture, we can see this. What is really neat to trace is how happy God's people are about that. <laughs> In my own scripture reading, I've been trying to notice people's response to God uh, sending them on mission and then watching that. This is clear. He is sending us on mission throughout the whole scripture. Old Testament Israel is supposed to be welcoming to the nations, leaving space for the nations to worship in the outer courts of the temple. They're supposed to have space for that. Jesus is so livid when he sees that they've turned it into a den of robbers and thieves, drives them all out. This is where it's supposed to be a house of prayer. You know these stories. But how amicable are God's people to being sent out to the world? How happy are they about that sentness yeah. that they got themselves? That's been hitting me as I read through it. Totally. Yeah. I read again in Exodus where God's people are supposed to approach him at the mountain, but they're like, don't let him talk to us anymore, Moses. You go. <laughs> we don't want him to talk to us. <laughs> These people are supposed to be a kingdom of priests mediating God's presence to the world reaching nations and of course, multiplying into more godly image bearers, but they don't even want God to talk to them anymore. 
they don't want to draw near. So they want Moses to stand in another sinner to stand in for them. Yeah. Instead of them interfacing with God and being his kingdom of priests, they don't want to. Why? I think they're terrified. I think they're only looking at themselves. Isaiah points out, this isn't a direct correspondence to the Exodus passage, but in Isaiah chapter 6, when he sees God in the holy temple, he says, Mm -hmm. woe is me. I have unclean lips. I come from a people with unclean lips. So he confesses his sin and then his sins atoned for by God. And then he's able to go. And of course, his message isn't one of happy, happy. (laughs) It's a hardening message. Right. But yeah. So instead of confessing their sin and saying, God, we can't see how that's possible. You're going to have to do something. Yeah. They don't say that. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the Word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. I see that in myself so often, you know, I feel like that's a daily kind of turning over for me of saying, okay, God, you know, I want to draw near to you, but then sometimes there's just all these little distractions or whatever it is, Mm. or sometime whatever I feel like he's called me to, I feel ill-equipped for, kind of like Moses, where you're just like, really, God, like, you know, I feel so ill-equipped for this, but then just looking away from myself and looking to Jesus and saying, okay, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right. I have a funny story that illustrates this. I was just writing it down for a chapter in a book. Oh, yay. But (laughs) my own self-perceived fitness of being an ambassador for Christ is something that (laughs) I have to wrestle with all the time. This is a really funny story. I made these really great plans. I made missional plans, Hunter. They were missional. I had super missional plans for this morning. (laughs) And then the school called me and they're like, hey, you need to come pick up your kid. She's got a fever. It's this. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Skirt. It was 0.1 over the acceptable fever. Oh, man. (laughs) Really? (laughs) And you can't argue with the school nurse. So I went down there and I picked up my kid and I thought, you know what? Why don't I just bring her to the pediatrician down the street? We've been dealing with ear infections off and on all that season. And so, well, might as well just go to the walk-in clinic if I've got her with me. Yeah. So I'm sitting in the waiting room, like texting the friends that I, you know, was going to be so missional with and (laughs) all these really great plans texting. I was so frustrated having to shift all these things around and couldn't work these plans out. And this nurse, this triage nurse is asking questions. Oh, what's your name? You know, you live here. How long have you lived in the city? 
oh, what's your husband's job? Oh, he's a pastor? And then she just kind of latched onto that. Huh. Yeah, he's, he's a pastor. Oh, really? Wow. Um, what kind of church? Oh, it's a it's a evangelical church. It's Christian. Well, oh, really? Um, uh, where do you meet? Like, uh, huh. texting. Texting. Hello. Um, Fridays. <laughs> we meet Fridays. I'm texting. I'm seriously trying to get this text message sent because I'm on mission, okay? <laughs> Get back. <laughs> and so it takes several questions, but then I wake up and I'm like, oh, right. So yeah, totally. This lady was new to the city, was looking for a place to go, did not know if there was a church in the city. She was not sure where to look for that kind of thing. And then here was, you know, this person who she thought had been sent to her. Hello, I was sent to her. <laughs> And so she sees God's provision in her life because she's like, God, if you're there, could you just send somebody? And then here I am sent from, you know, the school with a kid with a 0.1 degree fever. Wow. And I didn't realize I'd been sent because I was so busy trying to be sent in a different direction that was so missional. Oh, um, yes. Plans were different than mine. And thankfully, I woke up to those plans before it was too late and I lost the conversation. So your own personal fitness to be an ambassador for Christ isn't necessarily the most important thing about your ambassadorship. The most important thing about your ambassadorship is the one who's sending you. Oh, mic drop. (laughs) You know, I have so many stories, Gloria, that I could tell you. And I think I lived an entire season of my life with my head buried in my phone texting like you just described. Mm -hmm. Because I really thought, you know, I went to a missions conference at church and was just so passionate about wanting to go, you know, 1040 windows, send me to the unreached, like, why am I here? And Mm -hmm. I really regret that little blip. It was like a year long. I was really depressed because I didn't see Mm -hmm. how God could possibly use me in the context of like the Bible belt. (laughs) And, you know, I think I just would love for you to touch on this a little bit more. You've already been hitting it. But how do you rectify your idea of air quotes, mission, and God's idea of living on mission if it's something that you have kind of maybe glorified this idea of doing it a certain way? Right. Yeah. I think reading the Bible helps a lot (laughs) with that. Amen. That's what helped me. <laughs> Such a simple <laughs> answer. It's so true. But looking over and over at all of these examples of people whom God is sending, and it's clear he's sending, and then comparing it with my own ideal. Paul is a great example of this. He has all of these letters where he talks about how he's in chains, but uh-huh. he says he's a prisoner of Christ. Yeah. So here he is in some kind of forced hospitality. (laughs) Man, we think we have it bad. (laughs) But he doesn't say that he's a prisoner of anyone except for Jesus. Man. So he sees how God has sent him to reach these people who would otherwise be unreached unless somebody went into the jail to go get them. The whole household of Caesar and Philippians, the jailer himself, people who are otherwise not being preached to unless somebody sends them. Yeah. And he knew this full well. In Romans 10, he talks about how are they going to hear unless somebody preaches, how you uh-huh. going to preach. You're sent. So he sees Jesus as sending him consistently. 
he does make plans and Paul talks about how he's made some plans and those plans were thwarted by the spirit. (laughs) But he directs all of this back to God. Yeah. He doesn't blame circumstances. Like I was going to come see you, but there was this freak accident and this happened and then ugh, frustrated, frustrated, frustrated. He gives God all the credit. (laughs) God is directing me. God is the one who has prevented me. He says, I don't know why that's fine. But he sees himself as always being sent by God. Man, yes. You know, I'm thinking about how this fleshes itself out for myself and for a lot of the listeners right now based on where we're at seasonally. And, you know, I just love to know what does it look like to live on mission when you're with a lot of little people or you're in a season where, you know, you think about going out when you're on mission. But sometimes Mm -hmm. we're in these seasons where it's just really intensive in a different way. Maybe like Paul being in chains, like he's not able to go anywhere. And sometimes I feel like that. So how does this look different based on our season of life? And what do we do when we're in kind of a demanding season that doesn't seem to allow us to do ministry the way that we've always done it or the way that we want to? That's a great question. The way we've always done it or the way we want to. (laughs) How those ideal situations look can be so different than what it is God's actually doing in and through us and the people around us. We talk about going to the other side of the world, but are you willing to go to the living room? Oh, Um, I know. (laughs) That kind of. Send me to Dubai, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I feel that way. I'll go anywhere except to the next room. Yeah. Because of that person. Those are hard questions to ask because it's your motives are exposed. Yeah. Why is it that I prefer this kind of service over the other and the ugliness of your own sin is revealed and you can either choose to repent or you can just kind of hang on to it. (laughs) But I prefer this. This is just my personality. It's the way I'm wired, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And reject the ministry that God's given you right in front of your eyes. Those are such hard, hard conversations to have with yourself. Mm -hmm. It's really helpful if you can have them with somebody else who really knows you. Yeah. And you can work through some of those feelings together with someone. Don't sit in your restlessness alone. Bring somebody into that. It's so helpful. The people who are nearest to you can see things that you can't. So I'd recommend having those conversations out loud with someone who you trust. Yeah, it's so good for bringing things into the light, you know, because then you're held to like a level of accountability because it's like, okay, I don't just know this inside of me, but someone else knows this now, too. And it's really freeing as well to just experience the grace of God through one of our brothers or sisters in Christ. Right, right. And it does so many things. It hopefully endears another prayer partner for you. They're encouraged and challenged by your own confessions. And you know what happens when someone else is encouraged in the spirit, then they go and they encourage others, which has this tremendous ripple effect. And all of a sudden you realize, oh, I'm not just impacting people who are right next to me, even though I'm talking about how I'm disgruntled with impacting people who are right next to me. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The irony. Backfired, Satan. (laughs) Dripping with irony. Yeah. And, uh. Being willing to see that you're sent everywhere you go. Like I mentioned, that one errand, like taking a kid to the doctor's office. Go as someone who's being sent. When the milk is out in the fridge again, go to the grocery store as someone who's being sent. Don't just go because there's no milk. All of these things are part of 
what it looks like to live participating in the new creation, even while we still live in a fallen world. Yeah. You know, sometimes as I'm walking around my house and goodness gracious, we're kind of in these intense years that I know you faced, Gloria. <laughs> it is crazy. Three-nager is a real thing. And <laughs> I'm just telling myself that Galatians 6, 9 verse, like, okay, don't grow weary. Don't grow weary of doing good. You know what I mean? For a due season, you're going to reap if you don't give up. But have you had seasons where going to the living room or going to pick up the milk at the grocery store a couple miles down the road, it just becomes tiring and where you did grow weary of doing good? And if so, like, how did you navigate that? Usually for those seasons, I just kind of stew in it for a bit and it comes out and it's complaining. Like yes. I'll just be happy to complain about it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm happy to well, complain about it. Well, here I am. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Not with any kind of feelings of contrition or anything. I just complain. And then yeah. thankfully I have a good husband who says things like, what? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Really? really? <laughs> Mine did the and, same. He's like, babe, he, you need to he, grow. You need to grow in some graciousness. That's what my husband told me this year. Oh, that's that hurts. So sweet. It is so wonderful. <laughs> I was so thankful. And I asked how I could grow. And he said to grow in grace. And I'm like, oh, face palm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a gift, though. It is. Um, I'm so thankful for it. We're helping one another along to eternity. You don't just want someone to wink at you and be like, you're cool. Because you know you're not. <laughs> I, you know, I forget that sometimes and then I'm abruptly reminded. <laughs> well, how do you fight for contentment just in the midst of that? Like when you're going through it, how do you fight for contentment when things like the mission, mm -hmm. if you will, is feeling kind of mundane? Yeah. Crying helps a lot. Oh, Yeah. I need to do that more. Military spouses, which Schedule Gloria it. knows. Okay. You know, that is genius. Gloria knows because you grew up a military kid, right? Like, we don't often leave a lot of margin for feelings. Oh. So it's a struggle. Yeah. And I think that would be a good word to, we have a ton of military listeners just to say mm -hmm. crying is a good thing. Right. It's not yeah. weak. No, no. Cry it out and weep with those who weep. Yeah. That tells the world that there's something wrong and that it's not okay. Amen. And it's not glass half full. Something is really, really wrong and God's going to have to intervene. So weeping with those who weep. And if there are people who you are not able to reach for whatever reason, because you're in a season or you're literally physically somewhere serving somebody else, you're rocking a baby in a rocking chair and you can't go across the street to your neighbor, like, cry in your rocking chair for your neighbor and cry out to God. Huh. Weep as somebody who has hope and say things like, God, I can't get there right now because you've given me this sweet baby. And if I had, you know, 18 arms and 20 legs and five brains, I would so be all over this need that I hear about or see or feel in my heart. But God, would you send someone? Yeah. Your spirit, you know, is everywhere in all these believers. Would you send someone there? And you can participate in God's mission through prayer in physical places where you might not be able to move. So oh, for people that's so good. who have antsy feet like me and want to just go. Yeah. yeah. And if your feet are planted for whatever reason, go in your heart and go to the throne and watch those prayers preordained from before time, watch them all add up and God's ordained every single one of them. So pray that God would do something. 
That's so good, Gloria. That is an area of my spiritual life that I often neglect just because, I don't know, my prayers are usually just about me, to be honest. So I'm so (laughs) thankful to hear that because I think I need to be drawn out of those SOS prayers like, God, Davey isn't sleeping. It's 5 a.m. Do something, (laughs) God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, what do you think, you know, if we actually embrace this, like, what would it look like? You're talking about it a little bit, sitting in chairs, nursing babies and praying for the world. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, please give us some more of that just to help us flush it out. Like, what would it look like for us if the women of the church, if we kind of came together and intentionally lived on mission for Christ? Yeah. Come together in our rocking chairs. (laughs) (laughs) Nursing Uh, circle. (laughs) I have been to one of those clubs. (laughs) Yeah. I think it really helps to remember that the world is round. Mm. I'm a super visual person and I picture this often and it's been so helpful to me when I'm prone to just be focused on my own work and what it is I'm doing, what I've got right in front of me, the mess I see, things that I, you know, me, self-centered, self-oriented prayers. Yeah. Remember the world is round. So it's always morning somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. And the glory of God is going to cover the face of the earth Mm. when every corner of the globe is reached. And all of these believers everywhere, all over the world, maybe you don't know anybody in Nepal, but you can just use your imagination and go there in your mind and say, okay, well, it's 5 a.m. where I live. On the other side of the world, there's Nepal. What would they be doing right now at nighttime? Nighttime is a time of spiritual wrestling, sometimes fear because Mm. it's dark. These people walking dark. God, would you strengthen the church in Nepal? And look at Joshua Project. They've got specific prayers that you can pray for your brothers and sisters on the other side of the world, whom you will meet and spend eternity with. So there's definitely a personal connection. I heard someone say that it's so hard to pray for the world because I'm not personally connected. Like, how much more personal could you get if we're all in Christ? And yeah. don't resist yeah. the urge to pray. If you sense the Spirit urging you, leading you to pray for someone, stop and pray. Yeah. Don't resist that. Only the Spirit leading you. Your flesh doesn't lead you to pray. <laughs> your, yeah. <laughs> your flesh leads you way far away from prayer. <laughs> if you feel it in you, you're like, I just, I just feel a burden to pray. That's the Spirit. Martin Lloyd-Jones think says it explicitly. He says, never resist any urge to pray. It is the Spirit. Mm. So you're connected to God through His indwelling Spirit and the work that He's doing in the world that way. But connecting with other moms and women who are also living on mission, just talk about it. I think <laughs> So often I think we're nervous or hesitant to ask people what we can pray for for them or to tell them what we've been praying for. But I think just starting to open our mouths is going to embolden other women to be more open and vocal about what it is God's doing in their life and who they're hoping to reach and who they're praying for. So I think just sharing and make that a regular thing. And if it's regular, then it's not awkward anymore (laughs) because you're that person who always says who you're lifting up or who you're sharing the gospel with and inviting others to let you know who they're praying for as well. So you can pray for them and then actually follow up. I write stuff down all the time. So if someone tells you their name, write it down. And I'm just writing it down because I really want to remember your name. I'm so bad at remembering things. I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> and then you can follow up with people as the Spirit leads in that way. I have a note in my phone of friends that I meet along the way. If somebody at a store tells me their name, even if I don't anticipate mm, so ever good. seeing them again, 
I'll just jot that down because I'll be like, what was, oh, it started with that. No, yeah. I didn't. Oh no, I don't even know. But I'll, I'll pray for that person and, and lift them up. And it's remarkable the things that God does when we are not even realizing that he's working in and through us. Different connections that we didn't realize were there. Bizarre stuff that would be bizarre if there's not a sovereign God, but there is a sovereign God. But so it's not bizarre. It's just, of course, God working. Absolutely. Stories like that. Well, it's like modeling the intentionality of God, mm-hmm. you know, and I totally get what you're talking about. And I think all the military listeners are going to be like, amen, because we meet so many people and our lifestyle is so incredibly transient. And I think that's kind of comparable to the expat lifestyle as yeah. well. And you just, you know, you may meet somebody that you're going to see every day and you may meet somebody that you're never going to see again. And I guess that happens no matter what context you're yeah. in. So I love the idea of writing notes in your phone. And I actually do that with all of my new neighbors yes. when we move into a place because I'm like, this may be my person and I don't even know mm-hmm. it. Or this may be a person that God is sending me to, you know, mm-hmm. to be sharing his glorious gospel with like at some point. So anyways, that's really good practically. And I didn't know this was going to turn into a, a whole prayer filled podcast, <laughs> Gloria. This is great. Do you want to hear another <laughs> prayer answer? This is so fun. Yes. So one of my children had a rough year Mm. at school. And part of that was them not feeling comfortable. And, you know, it's circumstances. And then it's also nature. Totally. It was like my entire middle school years. (laughs) Oh, no, not middle school. (laughs) The Um, dark ages. (laughs) The dark years those can be great years. Uh, But this child at the end of the school year was like, my big prayer request was for teacher. Not that the other teacher was bad. The other teacher was great, but just led to pray for their teacher. And so prayed and prayed and prayed for their teacher all summer long. And the way that the school works was that they don't tell you whose class you're in until the weekend before school starts. Okay. So we'd been praying all summer for their teacher you know, Lord, whoever they are, God, we pray that you would just be doing this in their life and this in their life and preparing them. And thank you for opportunity to go to school and be your light there, blah, blah, all these prayer requests that are oriented around this teacher, not knowing who we're praying for. Meanwhile, on the other side of the world, the teacher who was supposed to be that teacher made other choices and decided to not come back and be the teacher. So then the school needed a new teacher, ASAP. Huh. And so an administrator called up a friend of theirs out of retirement and said, hey, I know you're retired, but could you come pinch hit for a year and teach? And the teacher was like, wow, that's pretty big. Sure, why not? (laughs) Oh, my word. It gets even crazier. So this teacher, she goes to this church and she's sitting at this church and then this person who she kind of knows, but maybe... Not so much is there. And she's, oh, yeah, by the way, we're moving to Dubai next week because I'm going to teach for a year. Oh, really? Um, I know someone in Dubai. Uh-uh. Oh, yeah. And she writes down my name on the bulletin and hands it to the teacher. And so the teacher just kind of tucks the bulletin away somewhere. So oh, I'll, I'll try to look up your friend later when I get to the city and get settled in. Yeah. And so the weekend before school starts... And everyone sends out their email. Hey, welcome to my class. I'm your teacher. So she sends an email and I write back right away. <laughs> Hi. You're like, I've been <laughs> praying for you every day. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm so happy you're coming. This is what my child is like. They're so excited about school. If you need any help about the city, we've been here for a bit. Love to help you get adjusted. Da-da-da. And then I meet the teacher the first day of school. She sees me and starts to weep. Wow. And says, you were the first email I got when I opened my email. And then I realized that was the name that somebody wrote on the bulletin at the church last week. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So we're both weeping over God's amazing provision in our lives. Yes. That sweet, amazing teacher for my kid. And then for this woman, her journey of faith as well, yeah. going into the unknown and not knowing is can God still see me? Of course, you know, he can, but you kind of wonder sometimes, are you, you know, how are you going to direct me? Yes. Are you going to walk me up there and just leave me there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think if we're not it. praying, then sometimes we miss, we miss those things. Like you could have just not prayed and gone to school and met this teacher and it would have been like, okay, I oh, hope sure. she's good. Great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. We get those little glimpses every once in a while into the fabric of eternity that God has woven. And it just knocks our socks off. Like I still yeah. have goosebumps whenever I remember that and just see God's kindness all totally. over these details and realizing afresh that God is for me in Christ. And he's so faithful, faithful enough to answer the prayers of a five-year-old. Yeah. Just to watch and to be reminded that God is about his work and he's doing it. And yeah. it's it's just going to be marvelous to see all of that fabric of eternity. Oh my goodness. Someday. That's why it'll take uh, us an eternity to just marvel at it. <laughs> an eternity to marvel at it. That's awesome. So as you go about your missional life, know that God is sending you everywhere it is that you go, whether or not you're happy to be there or not. Yeah. Um, he is pleased <laughs> yes. with the way that he is running the world. He will not hasten the day faster than he is. He will also not be slower. He's not slow in the sense that we think he is slow. Jesus is going to come back and get mm. his bride as soon as he can. <laughs> and he is bringing all of the sheep home in the meantime. So being happy as you go about your everyday life has a lot to do with being on mission. If your everyday life is just some grumpy drudgery bore, then the world kind of gets it. They're like, yep, that's my life too. <laughs> yeah. You live, you die. <laughs> Except yeah. we have to add that. Like, and then we're raised. I've said that so many times. Oh, you live, you die. That's a very common phrase around here. You live and then you die. Like, and then huh. I say, like, and then we're raised. The yeah. conversation turns when we bring in the eternal perspective that we've been given. Huh. And we're all edified by that because we're all tempted to just go about our days. Well, we live, we die. But remembering how far God has gone in sending his son Christ to die on the cross for us in order to bring us home. It turns us around with really happy feet to go on mission. Oh, man. You know, for those who don't know you, Gloria, I think knowing you, knowing some of the circumstances that you've faced, that just makes it even more potent because you have some really hard stuff that you've navigated. And so just to hear you say that, I just, you know, how do you continue to cultivate that? I know you just said remembering and you may just reiterate it, but I just want people to know it's not easy doing the life that you're doing and yet you are happy. And so how do you kind of cultivate that sense of happiness? And 
you know, that sense of God's presence and that awareness of what he's doing and what he's working in your life. Mm. Remembering and again, linking arms with others in your local church body. Sometimes I sit with other friends. We'll sit together with other couples too and just shake our heads together. We'll look at these painful circumstances and their lives and our lives and lives around us and we'll just shake our heads together and be frustrated and cry angry tears because it's not nice. It's not fun. It's not... (laughs) Those parts are not happy, but we land on the fact that God is sovereign and he's good. And as painful as these things are, he's working all things together for our good. And he's not slow in building his church, as we would think, slow. So doing that together, and you're not going to find that kind of community unless you're honest with people and actually tell them when things are painful and then sit with them too. It's totally reciprocatory. Is that a word I just made up? Reciprocatory, I like reciprocable, reciprocal, <laughs> reciprocated. Huh. I need another copy. <laughs> if you're not willing to sit and do that with others yeah. and listen to their pain and shake your head together with them, and then you know have hot, angry tears about what it is that they're going through and the afflictions that they face, yeah. So doing that together in the context of community in a local church body, I'd say, is huge. Man. Okay. So we have remembering who Jesus is, what he's done for us. We have doing that in the context of the local church. And I always ask what three resources my guests would recommend for somebody who's wanting to develop kind of in this area. So is there anything else you'd like to throw on the table for somebody who's wanting to grow and living on mission? Mm, Big book. It's The Temple and the Church's Mission by G.K. Beale. Ooh. It's worth every penny. It's more than a regular trade book price, I think, on Amazon. If you're living overseas, bookdepository.com will ship it to you for free. And the price difference isn't too much between USA, Amazon, and Book Depository, which is based in the UK. And they're worldwide shipping. So I'd order The Temple and the Church's Mission by G.K. Beale and and start devouring that. Look up all of the cross-references that he has in there and see how God has been on mission throughout the whole of scripture and see yourself in that story. And yeah, it'll help your own devotional Bible reading inform it so much more when you have time to read and pray. It gave me a new lens to see things instead of seeing disjointed pieces of God's mission throughout scripture. You could see it in one big story. Those kinds of books are always so helpful Yeah, because it'll give you that really big, far away zoom lens you can just get up real high and then see the lay of the land. And then you see your own life in that context. And the reaction always is something like, oh, yeah, I kind of knew that. But it's so good to be reminded. (laughs) No, totally. Um, Y'all know I'm going to be on this. You know what's going to be on my Instagram stories. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Temple and the Church's Mission by G.K. Bill. I'll just start with one. Okay, that's great. And look forward to a new book coming out next spring called Joyfully Spreading the Word, which is a collaborative book by several female authors who are discussing what it's like to live on mission and share the good news in various contexts. Look at that. I can't wait. All right. We'll link to that in the show notes when it comes out for sure. Super. All right. This is great. I can't wait. You're always depleting my book budget, Gloria. Thank you. <laughs> Make it your Christmas wish list and then other people's Good book idea. <laughs> All right. Christmas is coming. Good idea. Okay. Well, I'd love to hear from you. I know we don't have a whole lot of time yet, but do you have three simple joys that you'd like to share with us? 
Simple Joy. Mm. Can they all be Tex-Mex food? I've been thinking a lot about <laughs> Chips, salsa, and guacamole. <laughs> Literally, yes. It reminds me of the chips and salsa I brought to you at the hotel. <laughs> That's so, so great. So good. No, okay. I've been wondering, like, can I make guacamole out of that? Like, for everything. <laughs> well, you know, you look in your fridge, you're like, ooh, what can we do with saltines and peanut butter? Like, I've been looking, like, can I make a guacamole out of that? Oh, man, I wish I could ship some to you right now. That would be excellent. Oh, no, I could do it. I just need to know if I could put bananas in it. Or cute, is that? <laughs> Probably not. No? <laughs> You know, I don't know. Maybe look on a paleo website. You might be able to figure that out. (laughs) (laughs) I won't try it. Oh, well, Glory, you have had such an influence on my journey with Jesus, even though we have only met once in real life. And you have really encouraged and inspired me to live missionally. So I'd love to hear who it is that's had the biggest influence on your own journey with Jesus. In terms of living on mission? Either way. You can take Mm -hmm. it whichever direction you want. A dear friend of mine whose life is riddled with pain, Mm. marked with themes of joy that Uh. is just her theme. She models this for me in front of my eyes. Her children are now adults and they walk in the ways that she's taught them. She's facing another huge trial coming up with a lot of unknowns. And in the middle of all of that, she says, this is normal. Jesus said. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus said this is what it would be like when he would leave us in the world and give us his peace at the same time because we were going to need it. That has just been such an encouragement to me to remember her example and how she's still in the middle of it. I have the privilege of praying with her regularly here, but coming up soon, not going to be able to do that. It would be in different countries, but... Oh, I'm so sorry. Her lifestyle of never resisting the urge to pray. I know that she'll still carry me in her heart and pray with me wherever it is that God's taking her. Mm. And Christ is all and in all. So her encouragement by far, oh, just the way that she normalizes the pain and suffering of a normal Christian life and tells us that God gives us these things because we need them (laughs) has been such an encouragement to me. Amen. Well, friend, you encourage me every time I talk to you. I'm just so thankful and you know, I just can't wait to be in heaven worshiping Jesus with you one day. So, oh, thanks, honey. Thank you Me so too. much for your time. It's just a grace to get to hear from you. And all I can say is thank you. Oh, thanks, Hunter. Thanks for coming on the show. It's a joy to get to talk sometime. Maybe we'll do it again sometime early, really early. <laughs> oh, please, Lord, let it be. We don't try to start the rest of our More than anything, my conversation with Gloria encouraged me to seize opportunities to be a part of God's mission through prayer. I'd love to hear what stood out to you guys. Be sure to connect with us throughout the week at Journey Women Podcast on Instagram and Facebook or at Journey Women Pod on Twitter. As always, everything Gloria and I mentioned will be located in the show notes at www.hunterbelist.com. Hey, if you enjoyed this conversation, I want to ask that you just take three minutes out of your day to leave a rating and review on iTunes. This is going to help get Journey Women into the hands of other women who are on their journeys to glorify God. Thanks so much for journeying with me, y'all. I'm excited to be with you guys again next Monday. Have a great week.